Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. You can be seated. Thank you for letting us come and be with you today. We're excited about what God is doing, and uh, we're just thrilled to be here. We are out in a different venture, you know. You're never too old to serve God, right? And God can change up things on you, and all you have to do is hook up with Him and let it work. Praise God. So uh, my wife and I, last July, we turned our church over to our son after 34 years, and uh, he's pastoring, and we're traveling. Hallelujah. I said, wait a minute, I'm 65, he's 40, he should be traveling, and I should be pastoring. (laughs) So God, I guess you got this right. Praise the Lord. Amen. But we're excited about being here today. We love your pastors. They're they're just, you know, thank God for them and what they're doing here. And we thank God for this church. You're doing a great work here. Amen. And I believe 2020 is going to be a year of victory. You're walking in the things that God would have us to walk in and fulfilling what God's called us to do. Amen? Praise God. I would like my lovely wife to stand up. Praise God. As Pastor Mark said, this August will be 45 years that she's been blessed to be married to me. Hallelujah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I'm blessed. Praise God. Amen. But we're excited about what the Lord is, is doing. Praise God. If you will, let's turn to Galatians chapter 3. I want to minister to you just a little bit today. Like they said, I won't go too long, for blessed are the short-winded. They shall be asked to come again. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. So we'll, we'll just get in the Word and have a good time in the Word and let it get into us. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, I am from West Virginia. My wife's from Virginia. So West Virginia is the northernmost southern state. Or the southernmost northern state. It just depends on where you're at, praise God. But, uh, but uh, we, we love coming down south. It's, it's home to us, praise God. Amen? Praise the Lord. In Galatians chapter 3, the apostle is, is writing to us here, and he's teaching us the difference in, in faith and grace and the works of the law. He's teaching us in this entire book uh, the difference in us trying to earn the blessings of God and us trusting God for the blessings and what Christ has done for us. Even in this third chapter, you get in the 13th verse, he says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed as everyone hangs on a tree. Then he says the reason Jesus went on the tree for us, on the cross for us, was not only just to redeem us from the curse, which was sin, separation from God, sickness and disease, you know, infirmity in the body, and, and, and lack and want, which is, you know, poverty, and, and holding us in want all the time. Jesus took our poverty. He was stripped and put on the cross. Jesus took our, our sickness and diseases. He bore our sickness and carried our pains. And he was made to be sin for us who knew no sin on the cross. Amen. And so Jesus redeemed us from that. But you know, to be redeemed from something and not redeemed into something, there's not a whole lot of good about that. Amen. So what did he do? Verse 14 says that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us, the Gentiles, that we through faith might receive the promise of the Spirit. Amen. In other words, he says this. He says, the reason Jesus did all of that was so you and I would not have to live defeated, broken lives, that we could walk in victory, walk in blessing, walk in God's provision, and have a relationship of righteousness with God that was so great that that it would just bring us back into a place where God could do mighty things in our lives. Amen. 
And so Paul, he, he speaks these things to us, and, and, and uh, he's ministering these to us because he wants us to grab a hold of the fact that Christ has already fought the battle for you, and you and I are not the, the ones that are going to have to go through life struggling if we'll hook up with him. He's not saying that there won't be struggles to fight, but he's saying that you and I are placed in a position to win our battles and overcome in life. Amen? And so in, in Galatians 3, 5, let's back up a little bit here. And he, and he goes on, he says this, Therefore he who supplies the Spirit to you, or in you, to you, and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? See, that's a question. In other words, all these things going to happen because you try to be good enough to do it? Are all these things happening because, you know, you earn it? Or are all these things happening because you trust God? Because you see the word faith there in a lot of places translated to trust. Amen. So having faith in God means I'm putting my trust in God. I'm going beyond what I can feel, beyond what I can see. I'm going beyond what I can even comprehend sometimes. And I'm going to put my trust in God based on who he is and what he says in his word. Amen. And so he says, he says, if you're going to get miracles, the working of the Spirit, if you're going to see God move, he says it's going to come by the works of the law, by you trying to get good enough, or by you actually trusting God to do what he said he would do. Well, he answers the question. He says, just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. Now, that's important. He says, Abraham didn't get it because he deserved it. Abraham got it because he believed God. Amen? Now, that's good news for us today because none of us can get good enough to deserve the blessing of the Lord. So God takes it out of us trying to get good enough to be blessed and gets it into a place where we begin to release faith and trust in Him to receive that blessing in our life. Amen? Now, what that does is this. It moves me into a position of sonship. I'm a son of God, not because of what I've done, but because what Jesus has done for me. Amen? So therefore, I believe that, I receive that, and only those who are of faith, those who trust God and believe God like Abraham did, can be sons of Abraham. Are you listening to me? In other words, you know, God, I thank you that whenever I get up and lift my hands and the devil starts hitting my mind telling me I'm unworthy and, I'll, and it reminds me of all my mistakes, I can still lift my hands because my hands aren't lifted up because I'm so great. My hands are lifted up because you're so great. And it's faith in you that's going to cause me to walk through these attacks that the enemy's bringing on me. Amen. But let's just keep reading. He goes on then in the next verse, he says, Therefore know that only those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham, and the scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. Now listen to the next verse. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. So God says here in, 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 in verse 7 up here, he says, listen, he says, you get saved by believing. Amen? You get to come into sonship with God through faith and believing. But then he says this, God laid this thing out so that you can not only become a son or a daughter of God by faith, now you can be blessed by faith. Oh, come on. God's taking you from getting saved, hanging on, holding out, to getting in a position where you can begin to get blessed in your life. 
Come on, that's good news, folks. Hallelujah. Because I was raised in a church that taught, you know, you get saved, you're still an old sinner, you just got saved by grace, you're an unworthy worm, and you know, you just want to hang on, hold out, and all testimony services ended up like this. Y'all pray for me that I'll be able to hold on till the end. Hallelujah. Amen. And you know, when finally, I, I, you know, I'm about 20 years old, and, and, and I get a Bible, you know, and, 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 and so I didn't really get hooked in the early days because I just couldn't connect with that. Amen? But whenever I was 20, I, I had an encounter with the Lord, and Bonnie and I really gave our lives to the Lord. We got in church and believed God, got us the Bible, and you know, we became dangerous because we actually read it. Hallelujah. Amen. Just didn't carry it around with me. I got in and started reading this Bible and started finding out that what I was hearing from the pulpit wasn't what was coming out of my Bible. I said, Lord, there's got to be more to this thing than what I've got. There's got to be more than just me being beat up, beat down, and, and struggling through life. Amen. Surely you did more than that on the cross. And, I, and, I, and so I began to look in the scriptures. And so I, I just decided, you know what? I, I'm going to live dangerously. I'm going to just wait on out into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, see how Jesus did it. And then I'm going to get real dangerous and get in the book of Acts. <laughs> Amen. And all of a sudden, I saw in the book of Acts people doing the works of Jesus, living powerful lives, being persecuted, yes. Going through struggles, yes. Going through tests, yes. But changing the world, turning upside down, seeing miracles, signs and wonders, God providing needs met, and lives being changed. And I thought, my goodness, that's the Christianity I want. And then I began to get over here, and, and these scriptures began to come out. And I said, well, you know, I'm already a son of God because I believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. I did what the Word says. I believed He is the Son of God. I believed He died for my sins. I believed God raised Him from the dead. And I confessed Him as my Lord. I'm saved. I'm a son of God. So I need to go the next step. And what's that? I need to believe the promises of God like Abraham believed the promises because Abraham didn't just come into a righteous relationship with God. He come into a blessed relationship with God. Amen? And so if I will believe God like Abraham believed God, God's no respecter of persons. Just like he blessed Abraham, he's going to bless me now. Hallelujah. How did Abraham get it? By faith. I can remember the early days, Pastor Mark, whenever I got a hold of this, I thought, you know what? If I can ever figure out what faith is, I'm going to get blessed. Hallelujah. Because we didn't talk like that in my church. Hallelujah. And so, you know, I got hooked up with this, this gentleman named Kenneth Hagin, and I started hearing about what faith was. Hallelujah. I found out what faith was believing what God said he would do. I found out faith didn't have to have, uh, you know, a lot of sight, didn't have to have a lot of feeling. I didn't even have to have anything to confirm it out here. I just had to have a scripture, a word for it. Hallelujah. And believe that what God said he would do. Because Abraham's faith in Romans 4 was this, that he was fully persuaded that what God said God was able to perform. I thought, you know what? I need to get to that place. Hallelujah. Because not only can I be saved, I can be blessed. Praise God. And I want to tell you what, Bonnie and I were everything except blessed when we got a hold of this. <laughs> Amen. I've told people before, you could look in the dictionary where it said poverty and had a picture of me and her. Hallelujah. <laughs> because we, oh, Lord, hallelujah. Praise God. But you know what? We, we, we've been going. And, and, you know, I really connected with Brother Hagin because he said, you know, he and Mom Hagin got married. And he had, what, 10 or 15 cents. They went downtown and bought him a, uh, you know, a, a drink and a candy bar. 
I think he got him a, a soda and a candy bar and went broke. And he said, well, there's no way but up from here. Hallelujah. And I told Bonnie, I said, just hang with me. Praise God. We can't go any farther down. We're going up from here. Hallelujah. And we've been going up ever since because I believe the Bible's true. Amen. And if God bless one, he'll bless the others. We just have to find out how to get it. Amen. Now, let's keep on reading here. So he says this, that in verse 9, so then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. You've got to believe this stuff. You can't just hear it. You have to believe it. Amen. You have to act like it's so. Then he says this, for as many as are of the, of the works of the law are under the curse. In other words, you're trying to get it through your own merit. You're, you're going to live under the curse all the time, frustration. For it is written, cursed is everyone who, who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law. Now listen to what he says in verse 11. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Now in verse 7 he says, I become a son of God through faith. Verse 9, he says, I learn how to operate in the blessings of God through faith. And then he says in verse 11, now that you've got a hold of those two things, now you want to get up every day and live your life in faith. Amen? I don't wait till Sunday morning to live in faith. I don't wait till I have to have a need met to live in faith. I get up in the morning, whether it's raining or whether the sun is shining, and I set myself to live by faith that day. Amen? Because I've been made righteous or just by the blood of Jesus Christ, and the just, those who are righteous, those who are sons of God, get up every day and trust God that day, no matter what's going on. I'm trusting God that today I'm going to live in my right standing with God. I'm going to trust God today that whatever the need is, God God is going to bless me, take care of me, get me through this day, and I'm going to live a life that is going to glorify the Lord. Amen? And, to, and when he says the just shall live by faith, notice he doesn't just say, we'll live by faith when it's easy. The just shall live by faith when they're blessed and everybody's patting them on the back and all the bills are paid. The just shall live by faith when they don't have a pain in their body, but they feel so healthy and strong. Hallelujah. The just shall live by faith when they got all kinds of friends telling them how good they are. No, he says simply the just shall live by faith. How many of you found out there are rainy days as well as sunny days? You ever had any days when there was some pain in your body instead of everything feeling great? You ever had any days when you got up and you were expecting good things and you go to the mailbox and there's an extra bill that came in? And you go, I done paid everything I've got. And you're looking around. See, he didn't say you, you, you measure your faith based on your conditions. You live by faith because you love God, you trust God, and you're going to live this thing no matter what comes your way. This is my lifestyle now. Amen? This is how I live. This is how I think. This is how I talk. This is how I walk. And somebody says, we're just putting that on. Yes, that's right. I put off the old man, put on the new man. Hallelujah. I clothe myself in Jesus. And so therefore, yes, I am putting this on because every day I have to make a decision. Am I going to live a day of defeat and failure, fighting, complaining, griping, woe is me? Or am I going to get up and live in faith today? And believe that God will do for me what he said he would do. And set myself to be ready that not in my own strength or power, but in the power of his might, I'm going to stand my ground today and see God do great things in my life. Amen. I'm going to walk with the Lord today. Now, to do that, look over in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul over here goes on and gives us some more revelation on this, this walk of faith. And he says in 1 Timothy 6, 12, and this really helps me and really enlightens me and it really helps a lot of people when we see this he says this fight the good fight of faith notice that for you to <laughs> believe on the son of god 
And for you to believe that he's going to bless you, and for you to live by faith, sometimes there's a fight. You ever been in a fight where you just wanted to quit and cuss? Now, don't look at me in that holy pious look. I know what. Amen. Don't make the Holy Ghost get in here and tell off on you. Amen. Somebody said, why would you say that? Every one of us have a flesh that we have to contend with. And the Bible says that your flesh wars against your spirit not wanting to do the things of God. Paul even said to 1 Corinthians 9, he said when he's running his race, he said, listen, I discipline my body every day and bring it in subjection, lest when I preach this gospel to others, I'm not disqualified. Amen. In other words, Paul's saying, I have to deal with my flesh. I'm not preaching you something that I don't have to do. And listen, I always say it this way. If Paul had to deal with his flesh, you're going to have to deal with yours. Amen. Because none of us in here have written two-thirds of the Bible yet. Praise God. So if the guy that God used to write most of the New Testament in had to deal with his flesh and buffet his body and discipline his body and bring his flesh under and deal with his, guess what? You and I are probably going to have to too. Amen. And so Paul writing here out of experience says, fight the good fight of faith. Now, why am I fighting this good fight of faith? He says, lay hold of eternal life to which you are called. Uh, you were called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Notice he says this, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life. That word eternal life there is the Greek word zoe, Z-O-E. And, and so it, you know, when we read that, maybe you didn't, but I did. When I read that, lay hold of eternal life, I was kind of thinking heaven, you know, the lay hold of eternity with God, lay a hold of eternal life, being with the Lord someday. But you see, really, if you read it like this, he's saying this, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of the God kind of life. Meaning what? There is a devil out here, Jesus said in John 10, 10, who is a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy the life that Jesus Christ has provided for you in redemption. Amen? And you have a world kind of life and a God kind of life that you can live every day. And for you and I to live in the God kind of life, eternal life, the life of God, we have to fight a good fight and lay hold of it. Why? That means we have an opponent out there. We have an adversary. We have an enemy that's going to try to stop us from having the things that God said we can have. So Paul says in Galatians, he says, listen, you have to believe on God and become a son of God. Then you have to believe God's word just like Abraham did and believe his promises to get in on the blessing. And then you have to make a decision, I'm going to live this. It's not just going to be something I do occasionally. This is who I am. I'm going to identify myself in Christ Jesus. I'm going to identify myself as a person of faith. I'm going to identify myself as a word person. I'm going to identify myself as a blood-bought, blood-washed, redeemed child of the living God. And I'm going to get up every day and declare I'm a child of God, Jesus my Lord, and I'm going to walk in the blessings of the Lord today. And no matter how determined you get, there is an opponent that you're going to have to fight to get that to work in your life. Jesus gave us these things, but did not exempt us from the struggles that will come against us to try to steal them from us. Amen? Amen. We kind of like, you know, Brother Hagin said, a fellow came up to him one time and said, Brother Hagin, he said he was just so forlorn and so just, just in need. And he said, I thought, my God, I'm going to brace myself, this poor per- person. He said, tell what he's wanting me to pray. He says, yeah, what is it, brother? He says, would you pray for me? He said, and he embraced me. Yeah, what would you want me to pray? Would you pray that the devil will never bother me again? <laughs> Brother Hagin said, what do you want me to do? Pray that you'll die and go to heaven? 
He said, oh, no. He said, well, that's the only way you're never going to get bothered by the devil, brother. He said, if I've been, he said and besides that, if I could pray that for you, I'd already prayed it for me. So I'd already used that prayer up. Amen. No, Jesus said over in John's gospel, he said, in this world, you're going to have tests, trials, tribulation. But he also went on and said, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So, so we're going to have fights to fight. And how we're going to have to fight them. We're going to have to fight them in faith. You can't fight them through trying to be good enough. You can't fight them through works. You can't fight them through, you know, your, your own, uh, well, you know, I don't deserve this. You have to get over into the realm of faith and fight the good fight of faith. Amen? And lay hold. That means this. Refuse to let the enemy take from you what God said you can have. Amen? And sometimes it's a fight. How many of you found out sometimes the fight isn't won in just a few seconds? See, he said, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on this eternal life, this God kind of life. And then he says, and he says, and basically goes on, he says, uh, wherein you are called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In other words, to fight the good fight of faith, you cannot let the devil control your words. Amen. Notice he says that you've confessed the good confession in front of many witnesses. That also tells me this. You can't talk faith in front of me and talk doubt in front of somebody else and win the victory. Because you see, remember, let's go back. The just shall live by faith. In other words, I'm going to live this thing. Well, I can't just live it in front of people that I want to see it and I know it's going to agree with me. I have to live it in front of people that don't agree with me and don't even understand it. Amen. Well, you're not going to make it this time. Well, brother, just stand in the corner and watch because I believe God's going to get me through this. Hallelujah. See, your confession has to be maintained through the fight. You cannot win the victory. It's just like in fighting a real fight. You can't go out in round one and just wear your opponent out. In the second round, go out and drop your gloves. He'll knock you out. You have to fight until the fight's over, amen? You have to fight until the fight's won. And so here he's saying to us that you and I are going to have to learn how to fight the good fight of faith. And he says, you're going to have to maintain witness. In other words, just don't confess your victory in front of your pastor. Confess your victory in front of each other. Husband and wives confessing victory. In front of your children confessing victory. In front of your friends confessing your victory. And when you're walking into the place and it's struggling, you walk in and say, I confess victory over this house. Hallelujah. We I can't see it. Well, I don't have to see it. I believe it. Well, you know, you don't feel it. Well, I don't have to feel it because the word says it's so. Well, you know, it doesn't look like it's working. Well, that's okay, brother, because I walk by faith and not by sight, and I'm going to believe God. I can't make this happen in myself, but I can agree with the Lord, and I can give him something to work with in my life. That's the reason I'm confessing. Jesus is the high priest of my faith confession. So the reason I'm maintaining a good witness and a good confession is so Jesus continues to have something to work with in my life. Are you hearing me? And you see, here's the thing. The reason Paul is writing here, fight the good fight of faith by releasing your faith through confession is, is I'm sure that he's heard the stories about Jesus whenever he began his ministry. How did Jesus begin his ministry? He goes, he goes to John. He gets baptized in water. The Holy Spirit comes on him, so he's basically filled with the Holy Spirit. John 3 says that he received the, the Spirit without measure, so he was baptized in the Holy Ghost in power. And so then immediately the Bible says in Luke that the, that the, the, the Spirit led him or drove him into the wilderness and after 40 days of prayer and fasting and, and presenting himself to the Father and getting his ministry said, what happens? Here comes the devil. 
Now, you would think after 40 days of prayer and fasting, God would show up first. Isn't that amazing? We kind of think that, don't we? I was just spending an hour praying in the Spirit, and I spent another hour speaking the Word. I'm believing God to show up. And you walk out the door, and there's the devil. Hey. <laughs> Come on. Think about it. And so what's the Lord do? The devil comes up and begins to say, you know, well, if you, questioning everything he just prayed about, if you are really the Son of God, if you were really who you think you are, if you could do what you think you can do, if you really thought God, your Father, would come through for you, you're so hungry, why don't you just prove how anointed you are and turn some of these rocks into some bread and eat, boy, you're starving. Go ahead and eat. It's a temptation. Why? Because he's trying to get the Lord to use his strength, his faith, and his power for something selfish and not the plan of God in his life. And folks, I'm going to tell you, one of the first things the enemy does when you get in this fight, he'll come and attack you to get you to look at yourself and say, I need this. I'm put me before God. I, I, I've, I've been praying, I've been in church, I deserve this. See, there's a fight going on here. Jesus came and laid aside all of his glory and became one of us so that he could experience every test, trial, and struggle that you and I are going to face and win it so that he could show us how to win it. Amen. And so the Lord Jesus is there. And what does he do? Does he pull some magical power from heaven? Does he do something you and I can't do? No. He quotes the scripture to him. How did Jesus whip the devil? It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And bam, he hit him with the word. And then the devil comes and hits him again. And Jesus said, it's a written again. And he speaks the word. And then he comes and he tries to get him to, you know, even commit suicide. Jump off. He quotes some scripture to him. Out of context. Go ahead and jump off. God said his angels will take care of you. He, he read down a little bit farther in that 91st Psalm. He was quoting it also, found out that he said that you'll tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy too. But he didn't quote that part to him, did he? But you know what? The Lord again speaks the word. You know what he did? He maintained the good confession and witness even in the midst of the test and the trial. And the Bible says that the devil left him. Angels came and ministered. Why? Because you have to win the fight to get the prize. Are you hearing me? Your healing is on the other side of the fight. Come on. The prosperity you need to pay those bills and get you through is on the other side. Your family restoration is on the other side of the fight. And you and I cannot shy away from the fight of faith. And we are going to have to learn how to operate in this fight and use our faith just like the Lord Jesus did, just like the apostles did, and get that witness in our spirit. And everywhere, well, what if it don't happen? Well, you don't believe it then. Then go back to the word of God and feed the word in your spirit till you believe what you're saying is going to come to pass. Notice the second part is this. They that are faith are blessed with believing Abraham. And if you're concerned that it ain't going to happen, then your confession isn't working because you don't believe it's going to work yet. So you're not really fighting. You, you haven't even put your gloves on yet. Amen. Somebody says, well, well Brother Hoffman, aren't you afraid something might not work? What if something tragically happened? I always tell everybody this. I don't plan for the tragically happen. 
I plan on the gratefully glorious hallelujah blessing of God taking me through that tragedy. Amen. Somebody says, if you die, have you not had, listen, I've had extreme battles. I've had things where, where we've had to go through. It didn't look like we were going to make it. It's been tough. We've had to fight and believe God with everything in us. And I'm going to tell you what, I've been knocked down more times than I've, I, I would like to share. But I've been knocked down, but I refuse to stay down. In my day, the, the great champion of my day was Muhammad Ali in, in, in heavyweight boxing. And, you know, the Louisville Lip. That's what we called him. Louisville's only about 140, you know, about, about three or four hours from Huntington. And, and so, you know, everybody cheered him on and stuff. And, you know, as great of a fighter as he was, he got knocked down. The guy's jaw broke one time. But the world, when they think about him, don't think about all the times he got knocked down. They don't think about the time Ken Norton knocked, he, you know, broke his jaw. I met Ken Norton in the Miami airport one time. Sit down and talk with him. He was a great guy. I wouldn't want to fight him, but he was a great guy. Uh, here's a guy that broke Muhammad Ali's jaw. Woo, can I buy you a cup of coffee, sir? Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> but you know, every great champion has been on his back at one time or another, but he didn't stay there. The reason he's a great champion is he got back up and continued to fight until he won the fight. Folks, listen, that's why, why, why Paul's saying here to the Galatians, you can't get this through works because if you're trying to do it and be good enough and everything, there are going to be times you're going to fail. And if you fell in one point, you fell at all. But if you get over in faith and you really believe, and somebody says, how do I really believe? You maintain a good witness before many people, a good confession before many witnesses. Meaning what? Every time we talk to you, you're talking about the victory. Man, we see you at the grocery store. You're talking about the victory. We see you out here on the job. You're talking the victory. We come by your house. You're mowing the grass. I got the victory. And you're just going on believing God. And you know what? You keep reinforcing your confession with the word. And you keep fueling yourself. And you keep ministering that into you. Why? Because a good fighter has to stay in a place where he doesn't dehydrate, doesn't, you know, he's got to. That's why they go over to the corner and they splash that water on him and they, you know, give him a drink and they get him. Why? Because you have to recover after you've gone through some battles. And so you have to stay in the word. You have to keep refreshing yourself, keep renewing yourself. And, and really, uh, over here in, in Hebrews chapter 12, the Apostle Paul says it like this. He says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Hebrews 12, 1, he said, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance and patience and perseverance the race that's set before us. In other words, Paul's saying here, he's saying, you've got uh, the 11th chapter is an entire group of people that went through battles just like you're going through. And they stood on the promises of God, and, and, and they had great victories. And you've got examples that you need to follow. And he says, listen, now what you and I need to do is since we've got these folks that have gone on before us and they made it, now it's our turn. We can make it. He says, but here's something you're going to have to do. You're going to have to strip off the doubts and the fears and the insecurities and the, the past hurts. And you're going to have to lay down the old man and put on the new man. And you're going to have to strip off things that are holding you back and get yourself in a position where God can move you forward. Hallelujah. And that's something you and I have to do ourselves. See, I don't know what encumbrances are in your life. I don't know what little thoughts are 
holding you back. I don't know what little hurts are holding you back. I don't know what things that are trying to pile on you to keep you from being able to fight the good fight. But God knows, and you know, and God says, you and I need to go ahead and make the decision. I'm not going to let this stop me from going forward. I'm putting my past once and for all under the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm putting every hurt, every disappointment under the blood, and I'm going to get in the Word. I'm going to get in faith. I'm going to believe God, and I'm moving forward. Amen? See, that's something you and I have to do if we're going to fight the good fight of faith. I read the story. I'll use Ali again. You know, they talked about him. He said, you know, uh, you get in the ring, and you're such a general, and you're such a great thing. And he says, you win these championships. What's your key? He said, listen, we don't win championships in the ring. He said, we won championships the six months when I was up at 5 o'clock in the morning, running until 7 o'clock, and then going and eating, and then going in and working out until from 8 o'clock till you know, noon, and then boxing from 1 o'clock till 3 o'clock. He said, that's what won the championship. He said, you, he said, you don't win the championships when everybody's watching. He said, you win championships when nobody's watching because you make a decision that you're going to do what you've got to do so that when you get in the fight, you're ready to fight. Now, what did he do in the natural? He lived the boxer's life. What are you and I supposed to do in the spiritual? Live by faith. Man, I get in the Word and confess healing over myself when I'm feeling good. I don't wait till I get sick to start fighting my faith to get my healing. Amen? I pray over everything. I just, we just get in and we just constantly do it. Because you see, you've got to get up every day and get yourself ready because you don't know when the next fight's going to show up. And then sometimes, you know, we get to stripping off these things and we think we're doing it to try to get good enough because we think we're fighting to convince God to bless us. But folks, you're not fighting against God. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says that you're fighting against the devil. He says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, and he tells you who your adversary is, the devil as a roaring lion roams about seeking whom he may devour. What does he say? Whom resists steadfast in the faith. My enemy is not God. One of the greatest revelations I got in my life was realizing God is not my problem. See, I was taught this from the most uninspired scripture in the Bible. Our church lived, breathed, and died with this scripture. And it's from Job. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Most uninspired scripture in the Bible. Job has just lost everything covered with balls, sitting around, feeling sorry for himself, and he speaks that out of his flesh. Later on in Job, God shows up, and Job goes, Woo. God says, what have you been talking about? You haven't seen me. You don't, haven't heard me. You don't know me. And Job, what did he do? He says, oh, oh, God, I'm unworthy. I repent in sackcloth and ashes. And he just totally said, I was wrong. And when Job finally realizes God wasn't his problem, what's God do? He restores double fold back to him all that the enemy stole from him. My fight isn't with God. My fight is with God against the devil. Amen? My fight isn't against people. Ephesians 6, 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood or physical opponents, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and wicked spirits and heavenly. You're not my problem. I don't have to get in fights with people. I don't have to convince you I'm in faith. I'm not going to get in fight with somebody that's in doubt and unbelief. I'm not going to waste my time arguing with somebody whether or not I'm going to get this blessing that I'm believing God for. My fight isn't with you. You might be listening to the wrong spirit. My, my fight is, is with the one who's convinced you I'm not going to get it. 
So what I'm going to do? I'm going to do what God said in James 4, 7. I'm going to submit myself to God, resist the devil, and just believe that God's going to take care of it for me. He's going to flee from me. I'm going to bind those demon forces that are coming against me. I'm going to cast down every vain imagination and thought that rise up against the knowledge of God. And I'm going to set myself in a position to fight the good fight of faith. I'm going to say, devil, demons, thoughts, and all this junk going around me, you cannot defeat me. Amen. I'm going to stand on the word of God. 1 John 4, 4 says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Why? For greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Now, how do I fight the good fight of faith? I align myself with these scriptures. I align myself with God. And I submit to God, and I fight through the power of God. And I believe I'm going to win this thing. And when the enemy tries to put something on me, I just strip it off. Amen? See, I'm not going to be out here fighting the good fight of faith. And the devil comes over and says, here, wear this weight belt. Here, wear this unbelief. Here, wear this doubt. Here, wear this un- unworthiness. Go ahead and wear, wear this, uh, you know, this, this, this padding of, 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 you know, that uh, I'm disappointed, I'm dejected, uh, I've got depression, I've got oppression. No, no, no. I'm not going to live my life carrying that junk around with me. Yeah, but brother, but what about all those mistakes I've made? Did you ask God to forgive you? Well, yeah. Well, you know, First John says that he's faithful and just to his promises and his own nature. And if you confess your sins, he'll forgive you, cleanse you, wash you, and wipe them out. Hallelujah. Amen. I heard Brother Copeland say one time, he, he said when he was young, he had made a mistake and he was driving his car to go preach in his church. And he said he pulls up and he said that he messed up that afternoon and he'd repented all afternoon. And he said, I was still feeling so guilty and condemned. And, and, and he said, you know, he said, I pull up to the church, and he said, they already started singing. And he said, I'm standing there, and, and he said, I got back in my car, started to start it up, and God said, what are you doing? He said, well, Lord, I can't go in there and preach. He said, why not? He said, well, you know, I messed up today. You know what I did. And he said, Lord said, no, I don't. He said, sure you do, Lord. You remember when I did this, this? He said, no, I don't. I'd appreciate it if you'd quit bringing it up. Brother Coleman said, what are you talking about? He said, did you never read over in Isaiah 43, 25 that I blot out your transgressions and refuse to remember your sins? Well, yes, sir. He said, well, I blotted them out. Do you believe I did it? Yes, sir. You believe I don't remember? Yes, sir. Then why are you remembering it? He said, I would appreciate if you quit bringing that up and trying to get me remembered. And I'd appreciate it if you'd get rid of it. And I'd appreciate it if you'd go in there and preach the message I gave you for those people. <laughs> Brother Copeland said, I jumped out of that car and went in there and preached, man. Hallelujah. So he had to strip off. He had to get rid of. And folks, there are times, you and I, the enemy, right when we're God's wanting to use us, will try to dump something on us. That's the fight of faith. And that's where we stand our ground. And we believe according to the promise. Amen. But then he goes on in verse 2 here of of chapter 12 of Hebrews. And he says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and and has sat down at the right hand of, of the throne of God. Notice here he says, looking unto Jesus. In other words, when you're fighting your good fight of faith, you have to keep your eyes on the Lord. You can't get them on the, on the battle, on the struggle, on the problem. You have to keep your eyes on Jesus. And then you have to remember, he's the author and finisher of your faith. What's that mean? Jesus didn't start you in this to get you defeated. He started you in this to finish. Amen? I don't pray just to pray. I pray to get an answer. Are you listening to me? 
I don't speak to the mountain just to hear my voice. I speak to the mountain for God to hear my voice. So God can be the author of my faith and the finisher of my faith and move that mountain out of my life for me. Amen? See, my faith fight is to believe God. God's part of my faith fight is to answer what I'm believing him for. Are you listening to me? See, I, my part of the fight of faith in Mark eleven twenty three is to believe and speak to the mountain. God's part of that fight of faith is to move the mountain. Come on, stay with me. We're about to bring this thing to a close here. Hallelujah. Tie this all up in a good bundle and walk out of here victorious. Amen. You see, a lot of times we think we have to move the mountain. No, you have to believe God and speak to the mountain. Jesus said, for whosoever shall believe in his heart and not doubt, but shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt. He shall have whatever he says. Notice your part of the fight of faith is to continue to say what you believe in God for till you have it. How am I going to have it? The Lord is the one that confirms his word, not me. So every fight of faith is I'm in the ring, but the Lord's over here in my corner, and I got to keep receiving instructions from my corner, man. Are you hearing me? Because he's going to show me how to take my opponent out and get my victory, praise God. And when I come back to the corner, he's the one that's splashing me and refreshing me and telling me, you know, don't get hit this time. I tried not to get hit that time, Lord. <laughs> and then he says, well, you know, if you move this way a little bit, he won't be able to do that to you. Amen. And God gives you instructions. See, this, the fight of faith is you and I walking this thing out with the Lord, doing what he says so he can bring to pass what he said he would do. Amen. And so I have to believe that if the Lord told me to do this, he wants me to finish. He doesn't tell me to get out halfway and drown. He wants me to get to the other side. Amen. And so I'm going to believe God and keep my eyes on the Lord. And then finally, he says right here in verse 3, he says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Notice what he's saying. He's saying when you're going through the battle, there's a real possibility you can get discouraged. Come on. It's gotten quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. Amen. Anybody besides me ever been in a fight and getting in a battle and get a little discouraged and get emotionally drained because it didn't get over when you thought it was going to get over and it didn't go exactly like you thought it was supposed to go? Amen. And so the Lord says right here, he said how he endured that was this. He, through the joy that was set before him, he was able to endure the shame, the suffering, the junk, right? What's that mean? When you're going through a battle, it's never a lot of fun. Okay, I'm not talking about you get up one day and say, you know, praise God, my body's wrecked with so much pain. I, I, would, I, I just feel like I'm going to die. Hallelujah. How many of you get up in the morning and go, oh, my God, if I was going on the natural, man, they'd bury me this afternoon. <laughs> and the Lord's saying the battle's not fun. If you think the battle's fun, we're going to pray for you here in a few moments. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I despise it when the enemy comes in. Are you listening to me? I despise it when he attacks my body. I despise it when he's attacking my family. I despise it whenever I'm going along and all of a sudden, bam, here he comes in like a flood. Nothing fun about that. But the Lord said how he got through his battle was for the joy that was set before him, the end result. In other words, Jesus kept seeing the victory, and that was what gave him the joy and the strength of God to walk right through his battle. Amen?
And he never became discouraged in his emotions or soul. In fact, after he prayed the third prayer there in the garden, he went to his disciples and he's already, he's already won the victory. Why? Because he knows that when it's all said and done, I'm going to come out of the grave with the keys of death and hell in my hands. I'm going to set humanity free. The kingdom of God's going to come back to the earth and men are going to walk out of sin into righteousness and I'm going to be Lord of lords and King of kings and the devil's going to bow to me and all of hell's going to bow to me and I will be raised up Lord. Hallelujah. And when I come up, I'm setting humanity free. And so he saw that. And the joy of the end result is what kept him going ahead. You have to get the joy of seeing yourself healed today if you're fighting the battle of sickness. And that joy has to be what sustains you through the pain and through the hurt and the disappointments and the bad reports. And you just keep on believing and confessing. Why? Because you see yourself with the end result. Hallelujah. Whatever battle you're fighting, you're fighting the good fight of faith. And like we've said many times, the good fight of faith is the fight that you win. Amen? And so he's saying, what am I going to do? I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. I'm not going to get discouraged. I'm not going to get worried. I'm not going to get defeated in the midst of the battle, even though I don't like it. Even though it's not fun. Even though I wish I was up and doing something else or I already had the victory, I'm going to stay with God and the joy of the Lord of seeing myself testifying to the people that God came through for me is going to be the strength that gets me through my worst moments. Amen? Because I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus and know that he started me in this thing and he's going to get me to the end of this thing. And I'm not coming off my faith. I'm not coming off my confession. I'm not coming. I'm not going to act different. I live by faith. This is who I am. I can't not be somebody else. I live this. I walk this. I believe this. I talk this. It's in my brain. It's in my heart. It's in my life. It's all about me because I'm allowing God to transform me to make me what he wants me to be. Amen. Now, here's something you and I need to do if we're going to do that. You need to keep your faith well hydrated. Amen? What do you mean, well hydrated? Well, you know, a runner goes out here, and, you know, if you've ever seen some of these guys running these distances, especially marathons, they have watering stations. You ever seen that? And these runners don't stop and go over and say, boy, I'm glad you're here. I'm going to stop and drink for a while. No, no. As they run, they run by and they grab a cup, they drink it, and then they run by and they grab another one. They hardly break stride. But you know why? Because they're focused on the finish line. They're in a race. They're doing something. They can't just stop there and, and, hey, it's a great day. Give me another cup. And, you know, sometimes it's sloppy. They grab that cup and water's flying everywhere, and they're, they're drinking about half. That's why they grab another one. Then they grab another one, and water's flying everywhere. But the good ones know how to keep themselves hydrated so that they can run without growing weary. Amen? You and I are going to have to learn how to keep ourselves spiritually hydrated and anointed so that we can continue to run. And all the time we're fighting our good fight of faith, we're keeping ourselves refreshed so that we can stay right there in a battle till we get to the finish. Amen? See, so many people think they have to take time out of the fight. You can't take time out of the fight. You have to learn how to keep yourself refreshed in the fight. Amen? So look quickly in John's Gospel, chapter 7. Hallelujah. We're about to close. This is my second one. Every good preacher gets at least two closings. Praise God. I told the one earlier so to get your hopes up. That way you get your attention real good with me. Praise God. 
I saw you starting to wane, so I thought I'd say the second closing. Praise God. Now everybody's excited again. Amen. John chapter 7, how are we going to stay uh, stirred up? How am I going to stay anointed? How am I going to stay refreshed in the midst of this fight? John chapter 7, look what Jesus said in verse 37. It says, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out. Jesus spoke loudly, saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Ooh, Hallelujah. See, a lot of us, the only problem with our faith is this. We're a little thirsty. What are we thirsty for? Well, he goes on and he says in the next verse, And he who believes in me, as the Scripture said, in other words, my faith isn't based on what I feel, see, or what somebody else said. My faith and believing is based on the Scriptures, what Jesus said. Amen? He who believes on me, according as the Scriptures have said, look what he says. He says, Out of his heart, out of his innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. What's he talking about? He says, but this he spoke concerning the spirit, which those who believe in him would receive, the Holy Spirit. You know what he's saying? He's saying every day when you're fighting this good fight of faith, you need to get in the presence of God and come to Jesus. Say, Lord, just fill me with your presence until I am so anointed with your presence that I'm full. I'm excited. My faith is stirred. My confession is strong. My determination is there. Amen. And you see, the great thing about it is this, folks. You need to get this revelation. You don't have to wait till Sunday morning to get a drink. Jesus said, if you're thirsty, come to me. In other words, you're coming to Jesus, and we've got access to the Lord 24-7. Hallelujah. Somebody says, how do I know? He says, out of your... In other words, if it's not flowing out of me, guess what I need? I need a fresh anointing. Well, I need another word. No, he didn't say, come and get another word. He said, come and get another drink. Are you hearing me? Because the word you've got is strong enough to get you where you need to go. What you need to do is keep that word hydrated. Amen? See, a runner doesn't stop and grab him a hamburger and eat it on the way. He, he, he stops and get him some power drink or some water, something to refresh himself. Whenever the fighter goes to the corner, the, the corner man does not come over there and say, Here, have a hamburger and fries so you can have your strength for this next run. You see them, they're squirting that water, that, that juice, that pyrate or whatever into their mouth. Why? Because they have already conditioned themselves. Now they're in the battle. And now what they have to do is they have to keep that water, that liquid in them because your body needs it. Guess what? Your faith needs the flowing of the Holy Spirit to make it work. Are you hearing me? And so somebody says, how do I know if it's, it's flowing? Well, what's flowing out of you as a river? What's flowing out of you? Because if the Holy Spirit is anointing you, what's going to flow out of you as a river is your faith and your confession and your victory and what you're believing. If what's flowing out of you has got a little junk in it and it's not speaking the victory, guess what? You've allowed the enemy to close down your source. Amen. In fact, Ephesians 5.18, he says, Be not drunk with wine where it is excess or debauchery. But he says, But be ever filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. Somebody says, how do I know if I'm filled or stimulated? He says, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another the fear of God. You know what he's talking about there? He says, when you get full of the Holy Ghost and you're full of the Spirit and you're full of faith, he said, it'll, it'll affect how, what you say. It'll affect the songs you sing. It'll affect your attitude. It'll affect how you deal with things. Amen? 
So if my speaking is not lining up with the word, guess what? I need to get filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. If I'm singing and my singing isn't praise songs of victory, then guess what? I need to get filled up with the Holy Spirit. If my attitude's gotten off a little bit and I'm feeling a little grumpy and not thankful for what God said he would do for me, guess what? I need a Holy Spirit infusion. Amen? And if I'm not really submitting to what God wants and I'm starting to get a little rebellious, guess what? I need a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Spirit has come to help us in our life of faith and to do the things that Christ has called us to do. Amen. That's what he's here for. And so this morning, what you need is this. Somebody says, well, if I could just get another scripture, another word. No, you probably got the word that you need. If you don't, you're hearing it right now. Praise God. Amen. So what you need to do now is this. You need the Holy Spirit to come into you and upon you until it begins to release the gushers of God. In other words, it's not just a trickle of faith. It's a flood of faith. It's a river of faith. I mean, it is a a, a strong force flowing out of you that just says, I'm going to have what God said I can have. I'm going to do what God said I can do. And God, I thank you for working a mighty work in my life. Amen? See, that's where we're at this morning. So right now, I want you to just bow your heads, if you will, and I want you to look at your own self. See, in Hebrews 12, he said, let us lay aside everything, and let us put our eyes on Jesus. So he's talking about us individually doing something ourselves. And then Jesus said, if you find yourself to be thirsty, and you find yourself not speaking your faith, you find yourself without a song of victory, you find yourself really not being thankful, but feeling a little left or left outer. He says, you come to me and drink. You take care of it. You strengthen yourself. So right now, here's my question. Do you have a song of victory? Do you have a confession of faith? Are you thankful right in the midst of the test? Paul and Silas maintained the glow of God even in a Philippian jail with their backs beaten, unjustly locked up in a dungeon with their feet in stocks. At midnight, they prayed and sang praises unto God. Rivers of living water flowed out of them. Thanksgiving flowed out of them. Confessions of faith flowed out of them. Songs of praise flowed out of them. Why? Because they kept the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the anointer of your faith. The Holy Spirit is the one who strengthens your confession and helps you to stand strong in the Lord. Jesus said, if you're thirsty, how do I know if I'm thirsty? What are you saying? What are you singing? What's your attitude? What's coming out of you? I want to get up every day and get a fresh anointing from God and let rivers of life and faith and victory flow out of me that day. Amen. He's for all of us, for every believer. For those who believe on me, as the scripture said, they shall receive the Holy Spirit. Amen. Search your heart. I ask you the question. Are you filled up for 2020? Are you starting off this year with that fresh anointing, with a fresh faith, with a fresh confession, with a song of victory, with an attitude of an overcomer? Are you starting off this year putting everything behind you, refusing to carry any kind of guilt, inferiority, depression, condemnation into this new year, but you're going into this year, and you're going to base your faith on what Jesus says. You're going to live this faith life. You're going to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what God is saying to us right now. 
every battle can be won but you and I are the ones who are going to have to win them you're going to have battles to fight this year you're going to have struggles that you're going to face you're going to have things that the enemy is going to try to defeat you with but the Bible says if we'll fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of the life of God not let the enemy take it from us maintain our confession before everybody and live this thing God will bring us through in victory and when you find yourself a little weary just go and get in the presence of God say Lord I just need a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit you're my strengthener you're my helper just come and fill me right now fill me right now before I turn this over and we do anything else to Pastor Mark and, 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 I, and we do anything else I, I ask you is Jesus your Lord this morning is he your Lord the first step in this to become a son of God you have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ you have to make that commitment if Jesus is your Lord that's the first thing we'd want to pray with you about amen so if you like if you don't know the Lord and you want to pray a prayer and solidify your place in the kingdom of God I'd like to pray a simple prayer with you I'm going to ask you to do this while heads are bowed and eyes are closed each one searches their own heart intercessors are praying we're standing together as one right where you're at would you just lift your hand up to the Lord and say Lord I need you today I need you today Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.